everyone. Welcome for those who are able to join us. And uh, we're about one minute early, so, but we are on. And as I shared, um, well, we are joined by David Rowe. Um, I've known Dave since our seminary days, and uh, it's good to have you. And David and Jackie are currently in Taiwan. And they've been serving overseas for many, many years now. Actually, how many years? Uh, 20, well, we, we left in 20 years ago, but we came back. So a total of 14, 15 years, but we came back for six years. Yes, yes. So uh, I remember when Dave first came to uh, Gordon-Conwell, the seminary that we're at, uh, my friends and I, there were two other guys, we were in a uh, prayer chapel and he was new, he came, we were praying, it was uh, September, I believe, and he said, um, like, oh, you know, we introduced ourselves, and, and Dave said, uh, oh, yeah, my name is David Rowe, I'm, you know, I uh, actually was at Trinity, but I'm coming here because my girlfriend is at Gordon College, and I'm going to be gone right after the semester, so I actually don't care about any of you, I just want to be near my girlfriend. <laughs> That's, that's an exaggeration, but not so much of an exaggeration. It's actually pretty close. <laughs> Is that not right? Do you remember that? Uh, my mindset was, I was just going to be here for, uh, yeah, for one year and I'll be gone. Yeah, I think that was <laughs> but the funny thing is, Dave ended up staying longer than all of us in the Boston area. Is it, that's, I think that's true. Out of our, our group of friends at, at Gordon-Conwell, you stayed the longest. In yeah. fact, you still own a home there in the Boston area, and you, you're, um, you're the director of the uh, Christy Wilson. You still are, right? As of July, no longer, but um, yeah, it's slowly coming to an end. Oh, really? Okay. Do you mind sharing a little bit about um, where you're at now? What are, like, what's the, what are things well, going? Where, what's happening? So uh, we left, okay, so just quickly, you know, after seminary Gordon-Conwell, I uh, then pastored at a Chinese church, the English congregation in Lexington, Massachusetts. Uh, and then uh, after pastoring for four years, then the church, uh, we joined OMF as a mission agency uh, and we went to China. So in the year 2001, our family with two young kids uh, were in China for about close to nine plus years. And then we came back 2010, um, and then in the U.S., that's when I started at Gordon-Conwell, became the director of the Christy Wilson Center for World Missions at the seminary. And then, um, but after a few years in, in Boston, um, we then felt uh, called back to the mission field in Asia. So we moved to Taiwan four years ago. And so now we're in Taichung, Taiwan, um, and we've been here about four years. And aren't you're also working with Lausanne, aren't you? Right. So uh, one of my, I wear many hats, but one of my yeah. hats. What are the, all the hats? Uh, well, so uh, <laughs> I am first, I think, uh, a Christian. <laughs> then, uh, are you sure about that? Yeah. And then, um, so uh, one hat I wear, of course, is the, I am an OMF missionary. So uh, mm -hmm. I am a full member with, uh, sent by OMF. OMF mm -hmm. was started by Hudson Taylor 150 plus years ago used to be called China Inland Mission. And so that's the mission agency I'm with. Um, now, the, the hat that I wear in Asia is, uh, is the Lausanne movement was started by Billy Graham and John Stott, but it really is bringing um, Christian leaders together to shape the future of the mission movement coming out of the evangelical churches. So, uh, uh, we have meetings and consultations, uh, bringing leaders together. So for example, there's a, in 1974, there's a Lausanne covenant that John Stott and, mm -hmm. and some theologians wrote, but that became sort of the mission document that most mission agencies use as a, a statement of faith that, for it. So um, anyway, so I'm um, the regional director for the Lausanne movement in East Asia. And it's because of my time in China. So uh, I bring together leaders in China, in Korea. I'm in Taiwan here, um, 
Hong Kong and, and Mongolia and Japan. So we come together uh, for, for me, bringing leaders together for meetings mm. to, to shape the future of the, the mission movement. Mm. You know, a couple of quick updates. One is, um, do you mind sharing a little bit about how things are at in regarding the coronavirus in Taiwan? You know, there's, Taiwan is uh, considered to be on the forefront of at least really battling the virus compared to a lot of the other countries in the world. In fact, it, you could say it's like within the, next to Korea, it's like next to each other in terms of its battling of the virus. How are things there? Yeah, actually it's even better than Korea. Um, uh, partly, uh, actually there's only maybe six or seven deaths uh, total and uh, no new cases in the last, uh, at least no local new cases. There's a lot of you know, some foreigners coming in, you know, visiting, and then it is kind of some kind. But mm -hmm. then they able no new cases for the last month at least, if not more. Mm -hmm. So um, pretty safe, of course. Uh, everyone's social distancing and wearing wearing masks. That all helps. By the way, um, one reason why I think it it, it is that everyone wears masks, even though they they just everyone's just playing it safe it's so different when i see the news in the u.s everyone's like protesting like we don't need to wear i mean in taiwan it's so it's the safest place and everyone still is wearing masks except for you know sometimes me and jackie we kind of that's just that i think that's part of the chinese uh, the asian culture yeah. You know, yes. being a little more uh, sensitive to just, you know, we want to be considerate of others. So we'll, so we'll wear masks for the sake of you instead of just for the sake of me kind of thing. You know, it's not, it's not, you're not wearing masks mm -hmm. to protect yeah. yourself. Yeah. Although you're, you're saying I'm wearing it so that I won't cough in front of, you know, that kind of, that kind of a feeling. Anyway, right. so Taiwan's been doing right. a great job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm, that's great to hear. To to you know, the kids go to school, they have to wear masks at school um the uh restaurants are open everything's open everything's open you know there's not one thing closed you know uh and even the, the church. night markets you know with thousands of people so we go yeah. with like, thousands of people walking around of course they're all wearing wow. they, they always have these wear masks wear masks and something you know i would say maybe three quarters of the people wear masks at, at, at the night market hmm. and uh jackie and i are the one quarter yeah the but anyway so that's just how it is. And I the Taiwanese her. night markets, <laughs> oh, seriously. But the Taiwanese night markets, they're famous. Yeah. They're, they are world famous. So, I mean, that's where it all began, right? Sort well, of, well, Taiwan, maybe so Japan. The wet markets, the wet markets in China. No, I mean, the, you're talking about. No, no, no. I don't mean the uh, coronavirus. I mean, just the night market. You know, the where yeah, the food I'm, and I'm, yeah. I'm sure the night markets everywhere, but yeah, Taiwan is known for its night markets ever since. Uh, I grew up yes. as a missionary yes. in Taiwan. Is we've always had night markets even back then. Um, so it was uh, mm. uh, so it's part of the tradition of, of, of Taiwan. Yeah. So. <laughs> but uh, um, when I when I think about Dave and I look at your hair, Dave, I think, wow, your life has gone fast, right? Yeah, I can't believe. It, can you can you imagine just how quickly time has gone? And you know, um, especially I think for all of us, maybe you could share a little bit about what it was like for you in doing ministry, being in seminary during those days, and then how it is today, like in terms of what, what are some of the thoughts that you had, the dreams that you had back then, and then how does it look today in terms of, you know, what it means to be in, um, in a leadership context in the church, being able to see the church broadly, especially in Asia, because I think you have a lot of insight into the church in Asia in particular, but I would say broadly as well. So what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, when we were seminary students, uh, it was um, it was a different world even back then. Um, but we were, you know, we, we love the Lord. We were serving in the churches. We really wanted to make a difference. We 
we went into ministry with an all-out heart to serve the God. And, and God sent us to all different areas. And we, of course, you know, I was all into missions even back then. Even though yes. I, I, I went into pastor of ministry, I think you guys all knew I was heading to China, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. though I was a pastor for a season. Uh, I, I would never wanted to have Sam's job. Uh, I, I mean, being a pastor for <laughs> one church for 20 years is, is torture for me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's torture for a lot of people not just you <laughs> uh, so i think it's I've a always blessing had, <laughs> I've always had, no actually okay so i i've been involved in pastor ministry and i love the pastor because i saw people grow day i mean when you're in the pastor ministry you see people grow like an inch after a year you know i'm, I'm just a very little but you know you can preach you know, 50 messages that year and you, and people still, you know, they grow a little, but they grow. <laughs> you go to the mission field and, um, you know, you, you uh, of course it's, it's not, it's, it's not easy. I, I just, I just have to say missions is very, it's, it's, it's harder than the pastor in many ways. Okay. Uh, but it's easier in other ways as well. But mm -hmm. uh, in one way that, uh, that it's uh, easier is that Often and not always, I have to say, often you get to see fruit uh, in a different mm. way. Mm. You, you can see people, you know, come to the to faith uh, more often because you're in a pioneering situation. You get to mm -hmm. see spiritual growth, like go from zero, like no mm. faith, to super duper faith mm. in such a short time, you know, mm -hmm. surpassing, you know, uh, something that could take place, you know, would would spend 30 years in the U.S. You can see something take place in one year. We, we, uh -huh. uh, someone's, so sometimes you get to see that, and you are you, that kind of excitement to be able to see how spiritual fruit can grow in certain areas mm. is, is something of value that I I, I I've learned, you know. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, definitely in a different cultural context, a different. Uh, uh, you know, you have a lot more stress for the family, for the kids, for the marriage, mm. uh, for the language. It's not easy. And the conflicts that you experience at church, which is, you know, every church, every pastor goes through, mm -hmm. you can multiply that by 100 on the mission field, mm. uh, if not 1,000. I mean, it's, it's mm. a different level mm -hmm. of, uh, it's very messy, it, uh, very, very messy. Mm. That's some of the mm. challenges. But the, mm -hmm. the, the messiness is actually what also somehow that's how spiritual activity is very alive sometimes during the messiest of times. Mm. Um, that's how it, I mean, I don't even yeah. know what the question is, but I'm just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Here. Yeah. What about, um, I mean, maybe you could give a little bit of a update on the church in China. Um, really they have been through a lot um, for many years, right? It's not just, but, of late, it definitely has its, I'm assuming, these peaks and valleys from the cultural revolution to, to present. And there's just a lot of peaks and valleys in, ter in terms of, especially in terms of governmental pressures. And, you know, how can we pray for the church? What is, what, are, what do you feel like uh, is the pulse of the church? Um, how are they handling or dealing with just the current status of things? So uh, starting from 2018, uh, a new uh, religious regulation came out and pretty much it's um, pretty much anything that is related to the house church is illegal now. I mean, it, it was always been illegal, but uh, the government sort of usually just close one, they say they close one eye, they open one eye, they just kind of let you exist. They'll pressure you, but they won't, you know, it's very hard for them to do something legally. So ever since the last two years, uh, uh, churches all across China have been under attack. Um, and this is the official church as well as the house church, which is a unofficial illegal churches. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm just, uh, uh, the church, one of my good friends, uh, Ezra, Pastor Ezra Jin, had a, he sort of had a church of about 1,500, a house church in Beijing, the largest house church in Beijing, had about five services, rented space. And the last, he started in 2007 and was able to grow to now uh, a, a year ago, no problem. And then the government came in and said, we want to install 24 cameras. And then he said, no, mm -hmm. and then they shut down the church. And so this, they, so all across China, you see these churches all being attacked. Now, 
when a church is under attack, it doesn't mean that the Christians no longer exist. Mm -hmm. The Christians find other ways to meet. Because when you once you're a Christian in China, it, you're you're pretty much always a Christian. It's not like the U.S. where you know you mm -hmm. don't sometimes tell you know if, if there's a snowstorm, you don't know if that you know you don't. Yeah. In China, it's like you know uh, once just... a Christian, you're always a Christian kind of thing. Yeah. And so. Uh, they just say, okay, if you can't meet in larger groups, you meet in smaller groups, you just meet in homes, yes. you meet in cafes, you know, so they'll, they'll figure it out, you know, and, and, and mm. you know, mentality is more like, you know, arrest me if you have to, put me in jail if you have to, but this is just who I am, I'm going to stand firm in my faith, mm. but we're, you know, that's, that's sort of the situation. Well, you know, um, although the coronavirus has been really, it has hit hard you know, in China economically, of course, the world, many deaths and so on. But what it's done is, it's very interesting, it's, it's actually resulted in a revival for the church in China. Mm. Uh, and, and what's happened is because of the coronavirus, the government let the Chinese, all around millions of Chinese download Zoom, which is what we're using right now. Yes. Yes. In the past, they they actually stopped in 2019. So when the, when the laws came down, they actually cut off Zoom. Okay. But because of the coronavirus, uh, you know, the government said, "Well, we don't want people to you know meet outside, so you guys can meet in Zoom." So what happened is mm -hmm. now thousands of people can go online and meet like we're doing right now. Okay. And so uh, that's what caused a, a a a momentum for churches to meet online. And mm -hmm. so there's prayer meetings all day. There's um, mission meetings and, and a thousand pastors every week gathered together to talk about missions. You know, that could have never happened during the, um, a year or two ago, or even the last 20 years. In fact, the last 60 years couldn't have never, in fact, never happened because of Zoom wasn't around. But anyways, hmm. the point is uh, there is a momentum because of the ability to meet online. And then it's hmm. a, a revival of prayer. Actually, prayer is the thing that's causing the churches to, to grow. So we, I, I see it as almost God preparing the Chinese church for missions, allowing for the coronavirus to take place, allowing the churches to come together to be revived. Because in the end, you got to have the spiritual strength to be engaged in missions. If you don't have that mm -hmm. spiritual strength, you know, um, uh, preaching it can only go so far. You really have to have that spiritual strength. And that's what's taking place now in China. Mm, that's pretty awesome. That is amazing. I'm assuming there is still a crackdown, though, in the midst of this all, or an attempted. Um, I mean, you must know a number of people who have been arrested, who have been imprisoned, come out. And after you hear their story of, do you find that, like, what is their faith like? <laughs> well, um, I'll just share with you my, my best friend who I've known, uh, who is the pastor of the church that we attended uh, when we were in Beijing called Shawang Church. Mm -hmm. uh, if you ever have a chance, you can uh, Google it, but uh, it, it hasn't been in the news for a while because um, they've been under attack. They got attacked in 2011 mm -hmm. and in April. And so um, <laughs> my best friend, his name is Tim. You can pray for him, but he's been under house arrest ever since April of 2011. Wow. So that means it's, so it's like coronavirus. It's like shelter in place for yeah, pretty nine much. years. Yeah, he has three uh, uh, security guards uh, with beds sleeping right outside his door. And they have rotations of, uh, I think, three rotations of that. And so he is just in his home for the last nine years. Uh, now his wife can go out and buy, you know, groceries and, 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 and actually for a while he was able to visit, people were able to come, actually Jackie, my wife, um, somehow sneaked in when the guards were playing ping pong downstairs. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was able to meet him. Because uh, they, they, they're not, legally not supposed to let anyone visit, but you know, it, this is how it is in China. Those just pretend they didn't see it. You know, and, and, and so when, <laughs> so that's the he, he uh Tian Ming, pastor Tian Ming, in my opinion though is one of the because i'm i've met a lot of uh christian leaders uh in the west as well as in asia uh, and i, I premier i premier, my 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 job actually is just to engage with leaders pastors mm -hmm. and uh, and so on but he is definitely in my opinion one of the most spiritual 
uh, godly uh, leaders that I've met. He sees things really uh, a different level of insights. And he, he's got his bags already packed. Any day, if he needs, he's going to be sent to prison, he's ready for it. Uh, and he has tremendous peace throughout this whole process. Um, so, uh, he's, he's just a, a person who, so, you know, he actually um, wrote this book uh, called um, uh, Shan Chang Zhi Chang, for those who are Chinese, City on a Hill, but pretty mm. much when the, uh, it's, it's from Matthew 5, you know, the, the mm-hmm. you know, we be a city on a hill, light into the world, you know, mm-hmm. we shouldn't be hidden, you know, under, um, um, uh, so, his whole model as a, a urban church was because the house church was underground. Mm. He said, we need to still, as even though we're illegal, we need to come and have a public witness to the, we need to show to the world, mm. even though we're getting attacked, that we are Christians. And so that's why he, he had a movement of churches from the house uh, beginning to go into public spheres and rent, renting space in the offices and so on. Mm. So, um, uh, impacted all of China. Millions of house churches and uh, house church Christians in China were impacted by him. But that's his whole purpose was to prepare the church. One day, you have to enter into society, impact society, and whenever the church does that, you're going to get persecution. That's why you know. Remember when Peter, uh, and you know they were they're preaching the gospel, and also the Sanhedrin and the the Jews. So, so wait a minute, you're you're impacting, and so then they they arrested them. You know. Uh, so what happens is once you have a public presence, yes. you're going to get attacked, you know. Yes, and yes. So, uh, uh, his whole point is the churches needs to actually go out and in some sense welcome that attack because that's part mm. of the process mm-hmm. of the gospel getting spread out. In fact, the early church, Polycarp and all the martyrs, mm-hmm. their, their testimony won the Roman world because of them being persecuted, standing firm, you know, in the Colosseums, getting eaten by lions, right? Mm-hmm. That in itself was the witness. They didn't have to preach the gospel. Their death and mm-hmm. staying firm, persecution of that witness is what caused the Roman Empire. So, wait a minute, these guys are different. There's mm-hmm. something about this gospel. Why are we sending people to the lions? This is cruel. This is, mm-hmm. this is not humane. Right? And so it just changed the Roman society at the time when you stand mm. firm during persecution. So what persecution does is actually it highlights the gospel. Mm-hmm. And you cannot see it in the, in the U.S. because when you yes. don't have persecution, you, you, the gospel just gets mixed with every other good thing, with the YMCA mm-hmm. and with you know, all the other things that mm-hmm. are, you know, with, mm-hmm. you know. But when, what, pers- what persecution does in China is it really just it almost shines light into what the gospel is. Mm. And, and that's why I think why the gospel is really, really spring fast in China. Oh, that's, that's great. Do you, um, I mean, you had mentioned the fact that from China, there are, there are people actually going out of China to other parts of the world, sharing the gospel, right? That in other words, there are missionaries who are now, China's ascending church, not just the receiving church when it comes to missions. What, what does that look like? I mean, that's not easy to, you don't see that that often, even from open societies, right? So you have a closed society and they're actually sending people. That in of itself must be a great challenge. And yet they're doing it. So that's, that's the main difference. So, you know, uh, when I get together with these house church leaders, like I said, I told you a thousand pastors meet at least weekly and you would think, okay, imagine if you got Tim Keller, Rick Warren, you know, Andy Stanley, you know, get get a thousand of the top pastors in North America, you know, together. What would they talk about? Okay, uh, what would what would be their prayer topic? Or what would you know? Of course, if you were if it were Tim Keller, you get you know he would talk possibly about gospel centered ministry. If you're talking to Rick Warren, it'd be seeker sensitive church, you know, um, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they, they would have their own kind of things, and, and but try to bring them all together, right, to talk about one thing. Well, interesting thing is for China when they get together, their main topic, of course, they talk about church planting, talk about discipleship, talk about seminary education, talk about you know holiness mm-hmm. and all the issues. Of, of persecution, whatever, mm. their main thing is mission sending. Mm. How can we send out our young people 
to the hardest areas. And, and what they feel like is God gave them a vision to send to, because of persecution, the Chinese church is able to weather the storm. Mm. We have this sort of sacrificial spirit. You know, we mm. can we can handle we can handle the more difficult tasks. So I, I was mm. interviewing two pastors for my PhD on this, and they mm -hmm. said, uh, "God's given us the hard." They said, "This is our impression. We feel like the rest of the world is pretty easy. I mean, it's free, and we'll let the American church you know handle the the the, the easier stuff. But God's given us the burden for the harder stuff." which is mm. the Middle East, this is back to Jerusalem, mm. I think. And so we're, you know, we're, we're able to weather a difficult storm. Um, so we're gonna send our people primarily heading you know, back toward Jerusalem, that direction to the, the Middle East. And, and it's gonna cost a lot of lives. They, they sense it's gonna, you, it's, it's not gonna be uh, an easy path. And so mm. their, their, their sense is we wanna prepare the next generation to, to sacrifice themselves in order to go to the harshest places where the gospel hasn't been reached. Um, mm. and so I, I think that's something that um, that I've, I've I've seen in 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 the Chinese church that really has I think when the pastors catch it, then it just trickles down to the the, the average person. Mm. Now it I, it's not that every church is like that, okay? And it's not even that the average person's that way. But at least I know the pastors are thinking that way, and that's mm. that's something that I I I I, I see maybe 10, 20 years from now, it really is going to be like. Like the Korean church in the last 30 mm -hmm. years, you know, setting out mm -hmm. thousand missionaries in about 20, 30 years, we'll see a, a similar momentum from, from these churches. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a real example. The church that my, my you know, Shawang church, mm -hmm. it's got about maybe, um, uh, it used to be a thousand members, but after it's mm -hmm. been attacked, all there's this probably there's about 300 or 400 Marines left in this church. Okay. I mean, they're, uh -huh. they're, uh, you, you saw the movie 300, right? You know, uh -huh. the, you know, and uh -huh. they're like the little 300 who's, you know, dropping uh -huh. like, you know, 100,000 of uh, Persians coming in. Okay. There's about 300 <laughs> Marines, right? While the pastor is still in house arrest, mm -hmm. they uh, are uh, sent out uh, missionaries to Africa. Uh, two missionaries have already been sent to Africa, and they have some other missionaries in other places. Uh, but they are in the senior pastor, right? After planting this church, starting this church, after 20 years of pastoral ministry, last year stepped down from the pastorate to go, even though he can't leave his home, mm -hmm. he's full-time in mission mobilization. Hmm. Because God has given him a vision to focus the next 20 years of his life to raise up missionaries to be sent out. And mm. this is not just for, look, he, Pastor Tianming, I'll just give you an analogy. Pastor Tianming is kind of like, if you were to think, who, who's the most influential, Sam, let me ask you, if you were to say, who's the most influential pastor in North America? Probably Tim Keller. Okay, let's say yeah. he is the Tim uh -huh. Keller of China. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So what, well, imagine, okay, imagine if Tim Keller, after, you know, Tim Keller stepped down from Redeemer Church. Mm -hmm. What did he do for the next 20 years? I think he's still into, you know, gospel-centered mm -hmm. church planning, mm -hmm. which, I, you know, mm -hmm. actually, I brought Tian Ming and 20 house church pastors to New York for one month of church planning training with Tim Keller. So we spent mm -hmm. every day with him. Mm -hmm. I, I know Tim pretty well, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so imagine if Tim Keller, after he stepped down from Redeemer Church, decided to spend the next 20 years of raising up 20,000 young people from North America to go into the Middle East as his primary objective. Mm. Imagine that impacting all the thousands of church in North America, right? And, and, and getting mm -hmm. thousands of, okay, that's the kind of impact that uh, uh, this kind of pastor has. Of course, the fact that he's being under house arrest and so on, adds to the credibility of that and it shows you what's happening in china god is doing something in mm. china is is something on a supernatural level i really believe there's a yeah. god's preparing in china for this because what will happen is the church in china will then give an example to the rest of the churches all across the world saying even if you're in the middle east under persecution you can still be involved in missions and even more so if you're in a 
region which is free, there's no excuse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. America and, and Europe and so on. That if a church was still under attack, where the pastor can't even leave his room, his house, can still be engaged in mission and make that his primary call. Mm -hmm. That I think would be the, the message that the Chinese church has for the rest of the world. Mm. Oh man, that is convicting. That is, it's hard to hear because it's convicting. You know, it's so true. What do you think about missions in America? I mean, it, I do think when we were in seminary, there was a very different picture of what missions look like. We, we trained under a, a professor by the name of J. Christie Wilson who was a, formerly a missionary to Afghanistan for about 25 years, eventually was expelled from Afghanistan. And, you know, he, uh, he would always, one of the most godly men we knew, right? Really loved the Lord deeply. And, um, but you don't really see that type of missiology anymore, um, that perception of go, sort of the way you're describing missions from the Chinese context. It's really shifted in the way that, missions is thought of even even uh, like student missions movements such as Urbana, very different focus than what Urbana used to look like. Uh, similarly to a lot of the missions agencies are very different in its focus. I just was curious what you think about that. What, what are your thoughts about missions in general from America, for, within the West? PhD and I can spend all day. <laughs> the missional church, which is what now has been uh, the description of in the past, uh, there's the theology that's called Missio Dei, the mission of God, okay? It actually is started by Karl Barth, but it, is, it was a liberal theology that now has come into the evangelical church saying that in the past, the church was sending out missionaries, you know, like the J. Christie Wilson days, you know, the, the, the U.S. was sending missionaries, and we still do, we send missionaries to the world, but in general, there's a guy named David Bosch, and he wrote a book called Transform Missions. And that's sort of like the encyclopedia for missions. But what he's trying to say is, and this is what most every missiologist that you probably will read or hear about it say is, that's part of the past. Because that was during the Western Christendom era of colonialism and imperialism. And now we're no longer imperialists, we're no longer colonialists. So we don't need to send missionaries in the world because the world now has Christians all around the world. So let them do the missionary work. And we now are in North America and we have to fight our own battles. So our mission field is going across the street and witnessing to our neighbors. And if they're Pakistanis or if they're Indonesian, that's cross-cultural missions. So the missional church now is being missioned. The church itself is a missionary. So you'll hear this mm -hmm. preached all the time. I don't know, if Sam, you say this, but everyone's <laughs> a missionary. You're a missionary, I'm a missionary. So, 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 so go out and do missions. Okay, so on the surface, it sounds really good. And I agree. I, I'm happy that people are far more evangelistic at home. But what it actually has done, it's actually killing the mission sending movement of the past. The Hudson Taylors, the J. Christie Wilsons of the past. And in the end, if you're not sending missionaries, you don't have a picture of a sacrificial life of the example of the gospel where Jesus, you know, from heaven coming down on earth. That's a gospel message. We hear that in, you know, and we see that in the scriptures, we see that in church history. But let's just say 50 years from now, and the American church had, will no longer send out any more missionaries. They will never see a life. Okay, maybe you might cross the street and get hit by a car, but that's that's not a sacrificial life. That's Anyone can get hit by a car. You don't see the gospel <laughs> actually lived out by a uh -huh. few people by going into uh, a place and, and, and literally dying. So that's mm -hmm. why I think Boyce Lynn... Yes. Well, let me introduce that a little bit because I think that's a good segue. First of all, you uh, you did serve at a as a college pastor and, a, and an English pastor at a Chinese I'm a Chinese Bible Lexington Lexington Chinese Bible Church. Am I getting that right? And. and in, uh, Boston in Lexington. Yes. Yes. And one of your students 
was a college student from MIT by the name of Eric Ding, which a lot of people in our, so a number of people in our church know. And uh, he was a unique MIT college student and he's very gifted as he still is today. And um, you know, the story, I'm, I've heard this many times, laughed many times about it, but where uh, one of your other students was a woman by the name of May. What was, I don't know her last uh, maiden name, May. Oh, we knew her as May Ho, yeah. May Ho. And, uh, and she was very, she was someone that you and Jackie were really, you know, caring for as much as the other college students. And she basically called one day, was talking to Jackie. And then uh, she had shared that she's dating somebody. And Jackie said, Dave, you'll never guess. May's dating somebody. And you said, what did you say? Well, first, I think Jackie also said it first, but she called me from, I think I was upstairs, said, Dave, gotta hear this. Guess who, who's May dating? And I was like, it better not be Eric Ding. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a whole story, which we can't go into. Uh, well, anyway, why you put it that way. <laughs> I know all of them very well, of course. Uh, yeah. We Eric, when Eric was before he he was married to May, and I could tell you, Eric has matured a lot since. <laughs> but you know, May was the normal one, and uh, they're like, uh, but Eric and May, you know, um, uh, just imagine those days. They were just, uh, of course, uh, uh, Eric was on fire for God, but he, you know, he was uh, a unique uh, character. Um, yeah. Uh, and you know that's what interesting thing is we had uh, about 70 80 of these college students and Eric was one of the most passionate guys uh, for God and for the Bible and you know um, one of the hardest to work with but in the end uh, God sent someone like him and, <laughs> and thank goodness he had made beside him because it, it, <laughs> it was that they, they were both called to go yeah uh, together yes, yes. And, well that time you had a number of students like Eric and you know, God and Eric and May, they went overseas. They did, um, you had another student also from MIT named Joyce Lynn. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just heard last week, I believe the tragic news that as a missionary aviation um, pilot, she, she crashed and she lost her life. She's with the Lord, right? Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? And, just telling her story and yes yes so um well joyce actually and her sister were both part of our mit uh we, we called it the cbf chinese bible fellowship mit and um so they uh there was about maybe 40 50 of these very on fire for god they really you know loved the, the lord and they studied the bible and they really were now, Joyce was part of our, uh, not everyone came to our international, uh, sorry, intercollegiate fellowship on Friday night with all the campuses, you know. And so, um, uh, so Joyce rarely came to Friday night, whereas her sister, Amy, was very active in our Friday night fellowship. Of course, uh, uh, Joyce was more active on the campus. And that's what's interesting thing is sometimes the more, we thought the committed ones are not necessarily the ones that got that, I don't know how to explain this. I feel like the goody two shoe guys that like are always very committed to coming are the ones that used to stay in church. And in the, in the long run, we need those people to be godly Christians who are committed to the Lord. But the ones who actually God calls to go out actually are a little different. In, um, mm. um, uh, mm. I, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I, when Jackie and I, when we arrived on the mission field and we attended the first OMF conference and we looked who else were missionaries there and we looked at ourselves and said, are we like them? I mean, it's kind of like, <laughs> maybe Sam, you, you, you. Sorry, everyone. It looks like we lost Dave. He will be back. Um, 
me see. It's one of the challenges of being, uh, trying to communicate overseas. So does anybody have any questions as far, any thoughts? <laughs> Good to see you, May. And Eric, I'm sure he's right there. I hope you, um, as you go back down memory lane with Dave. <laughs> Dave is, uh, it's good to know that he is still the same. Don't you think? And, uh, he loves the Lord. He loves laughing. He loves being with people. And he is coming back really soon. So hang tight, everyone. <laughs> Eric, I believe uh, you will definitely get that equal airtime. <laughs> I think what, what should happen is that maybe the two of you should be on together at the exact same time. That, I think that would be very interesting. Sorry, everyone. Dave is having some internet problems. Um, he's asked us to hold on, so hang tight. And maybe the connection in Taiwan is really rough. Right now in Taiwan, it is 11.41 a.m. So the good thing is that it's not super early or late there. Everything's, I guess maybe everyone's on Zoom at the same time. It's actually 11.41 on Saturday. And so hopefully he'll be on really soon. So hang tight. Anna asked if uh, Sue and I have ever considered going on the mission field. The answer to that is yes. And uh, I'll explain more later. He's coming back on. <laughs> Sorry to leave you with that, just that one answer, Anna. But uh, we'll exp I'll explain some time later. Here he comes. All right, Dave. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. You were saying that uh, when you were looking around, you would say, wow, all the different people are going on the mission field. They're so different. Is that what we look yeah, like? Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe, Sam, you can tell me, but uh, uh, we're, I, I guess we're an odd bunch. You know, it, it, we're not the normal kind of, I, some, there's something not quite right maybe maybe it's like asperger or some of that but some, something about the missionaries uh god calls sometimes the the odd guys i i bet you the apostle paul was probably pretty odd i, I mean he wrote really well but i bet he was you a genius him. i think he was yeah. a genius so he's a little odd. <laughs> yeah i think he could have been an mit student i really think those guys are <laughs> smart oh by the way by dave eric said he wants he wants equal time. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> and someone said Eric hacked in to stop you. 
You know those MIT guys, they're always trying to hack in, especially once they're being talked about. So anyways, but the interesting thing is God uses the interesting, the interesting ones, you know, I mean, like uh, the, it's, it's, it's the, 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 anyway, so, 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 so you know, that includes yourself, Dave. Yeah, no, that's what I'm trying to say. I I, I look at, I look at myself saying, maybe, yeah, I, I, I'm not smart. Like, like Eric and, and, and those MIT, you know, I don't have that kind of brain, but, but uh, definitely uh, maybe, uh, maybe I do have, anyway, so uh, I would say, (laughs) So Joyce is like Eric and like our Jackie and myself. We're we're just not. Um, we we got a little of the, the 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 yeah. So Joyce, I would say, is different than 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 the norm. And um, but God actually, she what she did was she uh-huh. you know she. I, I've talked to her sister about, I just emailed her sister. I said, you know, what was different about her and so on. Um, actually, she didn't have a strong calling in the beginning of missions. You know, she actually, when she went to seminary, I remember talking to afterwards because she came to me, um, I think this was in the lobby of our church and because she was either going to go to Gordon-Conwell or was in Gordon-Conwell. And I think she was just wondering what she was going to do in life. I'm just, this is sort of many years ago. So I, I but my impression was when I was talking with her, she wanted to talk to me about missions because, you know, I had come back from the mission field. I, I either was speaking or I was on furlough or whatever. Uh-huh. And so she wanted to, she just wanted to know about, it wasn't like, she wasn't part of actually the group. Cause when I was pastoring, uh-huh. uh, uh, you know, Eric and May were part of that. And we had actually quite a few people who, who actually headed to the mission field from that group. But, but Joyce actually was only part of the campus ministry. She came to our, church maybe for one year but then she went to ccsc actually she was mm. more influenced by sung chan you know mm. you know sung chan's no, more into social justice kind of thing. Yes. so uh-huh. you know um uh, he's the angry asian man who's fighting against all the whites you know <laughs> anyway. he's a friend of ours yes <laughs> so we're, we're we're all good buddies so we can go <laughs> yes. anyway so, so she was more in in ccfc so I would say she didn't get the the David Jackie Rowe uh, kind of uh-huh. like you don't go to missions you're second rate kind of kind of uh-huh. I mean I did, I'm we just yes. we really made missions like the the yes. main thing you know uh-huh. although uh, uh, and I think um, she she later on in life she she just said you know she 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 got her pilot license because she was interested in flying that. I wouldn't, mm. it was first story. she was, it wasn't like she went, she went and got her pilot license to be a missionary. She already had the interest. She was, a, of course, MIT grad. So she had IT, she was a, a cyber security person. So she had the gifting of IT. She had, she loved flying. And she just said, Googled one day and said, what don't, you know, what, what, how could God use me? And she found MAF, you know, mm-hmm. so it was more of, God used her interest, and then she said, mm. "Okay, what can I do for God?" And then, then made the decision to leave the comfortable life and go to serve mm. God over there. Mm. So, um, uh, and so, this is where Jackie's really good. It's good to always have a wife. Said, you know, because I was like, "Oh, you know," Jackie's like, you know, had nothing to do with our ministry. Actually, God really touched her in a, on a separate path. That's nothing mm-hmm. to do. Of course, you know, God used us, whatever. But, mm-hmm. but really, it came out of her own um, God mm-hmm. using her gifts. And at some point, mm-hmm. her, she was inspired by Eric and May going mm-hmm. onto the mission field too, as well as us mm-hmm. going and, and seeing other mm-hmm. people going. But really, God touched her in a special way, mm-hmm. and then she also went made and made that step. You know? mm-hmm. uh, in fact, yeah. I didn't even know that she joined MAF uh, because you know I had already been in Taiwan by that time uh, mm-hmm. when she had decision you know know, i'm i'm you know when i think about people like eric and may joyce um mit grads you know graduating from some of the best schools in the country and yet they're giving their lives to go overseas and you know it's very easy for the world maybe parents to say oh what a waste you know what a waste of a like the top tier education but obviously we think of someone like Jim Elliott, you know, whose whole, who his death, people ask that same question. And, you know, the whole quote of Jim Elliott, uh, he is no fool, 
who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And, and so whether you're talking about Joyce or Eric and May or others who are giving their lives for the sake of the gospel or some of our Chinese brothers and sisters who are, you know, even going to places like the Middle East, they're, you know, they are honoring the Lord and there is, they're not fools, you know, to do that. In many ways, I think our world is more, has more fools than definitely more, you know, in that sense. Well, actually, uh, Joyce will be actually do. Okay, so you, you look at Jesus's ministry, he only had three years, right? Mm-hmm. He could have had 30 years of ministry and then died on the cross, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes a short ministry is actually a more effective ministry than a long ministry. Okay, and I, I don't, my prayer, of course, is I want a long ministry because I don't want to die mm-hmm. in years. You know, I, I, I want to yeah. die after. I wouldn't mind dying like Joyce after I've, you know, retired and then uh, on my deathbed, you know, maybe die on an airplane. On your deathbed, dying airplane. <laughs> I don't think that's possible, but you're on your deathbed and you die in an airplane. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm sleeping. You know, but but, but uh, there's something about a short life uh-huh. that what, what happens is, this is what I think uh-huh. is, is God honor and actually when I came back from the mission field and I was actually I got kicked out of China I felt my career was over after of course I had nine years in China and uh, um, I was talking with Chuck Lowe they was the pastor at the time mm. and he actually really ministered to me because he had been a missionary as well he came back of course started pastoring church and he said Dave some missionaries die in glory kind of like Jim Elliott and whatever some missionaries actually come back and able to continue their ministry. Some missionaries go and just back into civilian life and start to work. He says, but you know, God uses us all differently. Mm-hmm. But he said, most importantly, Dave, is that you all, we, the missionaries that went out, you guys gave the best years of your life. You know, you gave your life to missions while you could, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, and, and God honors that whatever the results, you know, are up to God, you know, and mm-hmm. some, uh, some go, you know, like, like Joyce. And now as I look back, I, you know, I, I probably prefer not to do it that way, but uh, some are, and, and the results are, but if God had chosen that for our life too, we mm-hmm. would have just gladly accepted it in the end. You know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. Jesus, you know, in Gethsemane, uh, you know, the, just that the cup of suffering, he said, you know, he said, not my will, but your will be done, even though he mm-hmm. didn't want it in his own will, because he wanted, he wanted a life of, I'm sure Jesus also wanted to live out his life so he could serve, you know, the people, but he realized that the father had a greater plan, and he, you know, submitted that to the Lord, and that's, I think, mm-hmm. the, the life of a missionary in the end, so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think Joyce will be honored uh, uh, by actually many people, and she, her mm-hmm. life will be. I, in fact, she'll be far more famous than Eric and me. I mean, she's mm-hmm. every she's on CNN. She's on Fox. I mean, she's the whole world knows about her now. And I think in church history, and at least the Chinese American or even American churches in Taiwan right now, Good TV just did something so the Taiwan churches all know about her. Uh, so she will be honored, and and I really believe she needs to be honored in that way. But that will, God will use that to catalyze possibly another generation of missionaries. But there's mm. tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of missionaries who are serving in a field that are no name. Right. You know? Yes. And, and they have no honor, no glory. And it's yes. hard. It's difficult. Yes. It's not easy. You know? Yes. And, and, uh, and God uses them in that way. And, and in yes. the end, God glorifies them just as much. And by having, in fact, no name missionaries in some sense, and he may get more glory in, in, in mm-hmm. heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. That's, you know, that's the case uh, if you see in scripture. Yeah. yeah, no, no, that's, that's really good. Do you think um, as you, well, so thinking about not just uh, missions or just the church in China, but the church in Asia in particular. So anywhere from the far Eastern countries of China, Korea, uh, South, uh, North Japan, and then you have all the Southeast Asian countries, and including some of the, you know, there are some big Muslim populations in uh, uh, Indonesia, Malaysia. How do you, what do you see for the next, I don't know, for as long as the next 25, 20 years, what is the church going to look like in Asia? Because 
Interestingly enough, Asia right now is very much in the news geopolitically, right? You have um, everything that's happening in China, you know, it's just the back and forth between the US and China. There's a lot of threats from China to Taiwan. There's everything that's happening in Hong Kong. Um, and then you have some of the challenges of some strife between Japan and South Korea. Then everything that's happening in North Korea. Uh, I mean, there's a lot that's going on right there in this hotspot, especially with the coronavirus going on and still, it, it's such a unique, I mean, not unique, but it's, it's definitely a, a volatile time in terms of geopolitically. What does it look like for the church in Asia as a whole? What do you think? So I, I, you're right, Sam, what you've, what you've pointed out is geopolitically and in the news, uh, the, the next 20, 30 years hotspot is no longer the Middle East, okay? Uh, uh, it's, it's going to be in East Asia. And it's going to be uh, primarily between two major clashes of civilization. It's China versus the West. And it's playing out in Hong Kong and Taiwan. And the global conflict, the next major conflict is going to be over Taiwan. Hong Kong and Taiwan are going to be the hot. You're going to see more every day. You'll see an article, whether it's Trump saying something, Pompeo saying something, uh, Pompeo saying something, sorry, or, uh, or President Xi or whatever, but it's going to be related to one of those three and then North Korea as well. Uh, in fact, whether the North Korea president is still alive is still a question mark by mm -hmm. some people, you know, and mm -hmm. if that something happens to him, that is going to be a huge case. And then South Korea mm -hmm. as well, you know, uh, what, what's happening in South Korea. The, so, so whenever there's a hotspot taking place, you, it's interesting, there's always some kind of spiritual activity that God's going to do mm -hmm. and is doing in preparation for it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's usually there's, the church is in some kind of transition. It's, it's not sort of a, the norm thing. And so for Taiwan, I, I, it's very interesting. Taiwan in the last 12 years has doubled its Christian population. Over mm. 800,000 people have be, from Buddhism converted to Christianity. Wow. In the last 12 years, just in Taiwan alone. No one knows. That's amazing. I mean, this is a... So and you've been there for a long time. Been, and also your, your dad was a missionary there. Right. So you, I grew you up know here. the spiritual climate there. Right. Yeah. I remember when it was Christian, it was like one to two percent. Right. I remember walking out and everyone's a Buddhist. And if you found a Christian, I'm like, whoa, you're you're an anomaly, you know, you're like, wow, uh -huh. you know, kind of thing. Um, and um, you know, I went to Taiwan Chinese school up to sixth grade. None of my classmates were Christians, and it was just like you know, everyone was Buddhist, you know, every, I mean, it was a, it's a Buddhist country and so on. And the missionaries, my parents came, you know, 40 years ago, uh, actually, uh, yeah. And, and the missionaries that came and laid down their lives to Taiwan, the fruit mm. now is, mm. is taking place now. Right. Mm. So, uh, the churches are growing and now, um, it's slow growth, but it's steady, slow growth, mm. you know? And so, uh, it's from, it used to be one, 2%. Now it's 7%. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, 1.5 million Christians now and mm -hmm. every year, you know, is about 80,000 people uh, coming to church now. Or conversion. Wow. So so it's just going to continue uh, to grow. So it may hit 10 percent one day, you know, in the next 20 years. And and once it hits 10 percent, that's like a tipping point. That's what I think Tim Keller said in the city. Once you hit a 10 percent, uh, that's what happened with the Ro Roman Empire. When Constantine uh, converted, it wasn't like everyone was a Christian and, 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 and became Christianized. It was only 10 but the 10% mark kind of just kind of um, changed society in general. And I think that's what's going to happen in Taiwan. Hong Kong is already, in some sense, uh, uh, in the upper tier. Hong Kong and Singapore, uh, about 10 to 15% already in the upper mm. tier. Like, uh, so, but it hasn't reached onto the lower tiers and so on. Mm -hmm. In China, it's uh it's about seven percent as well. So um and you, so, so you, we always used to think these places are mission fields, but in in reality, there's a very active spiritual movement taking place in in these mega uh, the, the, in our region. Of course, Korea is about you know thirty percent Christian. 
but the thing about Korea, though, Korea is more like North America starting to decline. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. People, I think uh, the younger generation is mm-hmm. only 3% going to church now. They may even be, they're called post-Christian kind of Christians now, mm-hmm. you know. So Korea mm-hmm. is in a, in a spiritual decline while there's a this spiritual growth taking place in, in especially mm-hmm. in Taiwan and in China. Now, what's that going to look like in, in all of Asia? I think what God does often, he does things in waves, you know, and, and you see how um, it hits yes. a region. The With region, revival movements. Uh, yeah. Right. It, didn't, it wasn't just America. It was the UK as well. And you're, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like things kind of, uh, they, they infect each other. You know, there, there's a movement that kind of infects. Mm-hmm. And so God is definitely doing something in China. And that's spilling over in all the other Chinese countries. Uh, Chinese, like in Taiwan and Hong Kong and Singapore, mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. North America. You know, the Chinese mm-hmm. churches in North America are actually growing, right? And mm-hmm. it's because God's doing something, just like the Korean churches in North America, it grew. You know, when, why, when we were at seminary, it was like 30, yes. you know, Korean students, and all the seminaries had all these Korean students. It's because yes. God was doing something in Korea, right? And mm-hmm. so you guys, Koreans moved into North America, planted churches, mm-hmm. went to seminaries, and so there's a... Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 yes movement going on well god's doing that all across china chinese all around the world and chinese of course are, are all around uh, the world yes but then china impacts asia yes china does have an impact over it. now not geopolitically but spiritually mm-hmm. so um uh in in the year 2023 what i'm going to be doing is i'm going to actually um begin an Asia Urbana conference somewhere in East Asia mm. of thousands of students. But I'm going to try to bring in, and I hope there's no spies here. So, so, uh, so, so Sam, you know, you keep, uh, keep an eye on right now who's watching here. But, but um, it's, a, it's a joke. But anyways, uh, the, uh, the, there, there's some truth to the fact that, uh, that you know, there, that, that someone's watching. Anyways, this, yes. what I was trying to say is, uh, what God is doing among young people mm-hmm. in the church in China, mm-hmm. we're going to eventually spill over to the churches in, in Asia. Mm-hmm. So Singapore, Taiwan, Hong Kong, they're already sending out missionaries, but they've been at about five, six, seven hundred sending for the last 20 years. They haven't, mm-hmm. but China is already sending 1,500 missionaries and it's going to grow to about mm-hmm. 20,000 in the next 10 years or so, next 20, mm-hmm. 10, 15 years. That momentum is going to then spill over. And hopefully, uh, we can see a East Asia, Asia kind of mission movement of mm-hmm. other churches. Now, if, if churches in Taiwan are actually behind the churches in mainland China in mission sending. Mm-hmm. So, so I think mainland China will have a voice in challenging the other countries to be engaged in mission sending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what 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 happened is then the uh-huh. West will because the, the West already I thought did I did, did we talk about the missional church already I think I did mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. The yes church. yes like but one thing that Tianming when we were in at Tim Keller's church for a month he said Tim Keller's very you know very deep theologically gospel centered ministry mm-hmm. how can a gospel centered church not send out missionaries that's mm-hmm. not gospel centered. There's something not gospel-centered about a church that's not sending out missionaries. Okay, so that takes someone from China to be able to see those kind of eyes. Because most of mm. us in North America, well, Tim Keller is the ideal pastors, you know, reaching their gospel-centered ministry is, their mission is New York City, right? Mm-hmm. But they they will have an impact on New York City, but there's no one in Redeemer Church that's laid down their lives to go to North Korea or to... Uh, to the Middle East because they don't have examples of that in their church. So they're, so you actually lose a heart, a centerpiece of the gospel. At least in your church, you have Eric mm-hmm. and May Ho, I mean, Eric, Eric Ding and May Ho. Mm-hmm. Eric, sorry, Eric and May Ding, because I, I remember May as Ho, May Ho. So I, I but <laughs> Eric and May as examples, they could they could have had a life of luxury in the Bay Area like everyone else of you know, living in nice homes, but they gave that up and went to, you know, um, uh, Southern China and lived in a very difficult area for the sake of the gospel. You actually have a picture of the gospel of people from your congregation who have done that. So when you preach the gospel, you're not just 
preach the gospel message about Jesus and you, you can use historical examples, but you have people in your church who have actually done that. Imagine North America churches that, and, and Asian churches that don't have that example. You actually, are, that's not gospel centered. You actually have lost a center mm -hmm. of the gospel. So I think what the church in China will do is remind the Asian church that we need to be part mm -hmm. of sending the gospel. In the past, the mm -hmm. West Americans and the Europeans and the, mm -hmm. and the British sent missionaries to us. Now it's our job to send out missionaries to mm -hmm. other missionaries of the world. Uh, Dave, on that note, we'll end it, but that is a great and um, really important call and a, a call to conviction. So can I pray for you? Sure. Let me just pray for you. Father, thank you for my dear brother, Dave Rowe. Thank you for the ways that you're using him, that you have been with he and Jackie, their family thus far, as uh, you continue to use him for the purpose of the gospel going forth to different parts of Asia and to the ends of the earth. I pray that you would sustain them, strengthen them. May they not grow weary in doing well. May you continue to empower them. Uh, continue to give Dave many visions of yourself and real understanding of what it means to follow Jesus above all else. So thank you that you have used him. Continue to keep your will, that you would keep him safe, that the time that you call him home, it would be very clear um, and it would be a time where, yeah, I know that you will call him as a good and faithful servant. And so we just really pray for blessings upon him and, and upon the church. And so we just thank you and praise you. We lift him up to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And uh, it was good to be with you all. I hope you, uh, I know I learned a lot, laughed, <laughs> had a good time. See you next time.